great afternoon, every oh crap, already. <clears throat> I mean, great morning, everybody. Great, great morning. Caleb. Did you actually let that one slip? Or what was that planned? I mean, yeah, it was it was planned. <clears throat> it was planned. Corny, bro. Talk corny. <laughs> oh, Caleb, how you doing? This is I'm- episode. 89, I believe. 89, good morning. Uh, Cooper, how are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. That's it. That's great. That's great. That's all I'm going to get is I'm, I'm doing well. Okay, that's great. Uh, that's, yeah. That's great. That's great, bro. I mean, no, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Um, I'm good, man. I'm good. Great. Phenomenal. All the above. Uh, busy. Busy, 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 but everybody's busy in this world. Um. Just trying to get stuff done, man. Just trying to get stuff Yeah, I got stuff a big done. list, too. Oh, yeah. yeah you, but you you stay on having big lists. It's all good. The yeah. Words, it, well, what happens is when I don't have a big list, then I start to freak out, why is my list so small? Mm, you know? It's not it. necessarily a healthy way to do it, but. I love it. I, I, so, well, uh, I heard a saying this week. Someone said something. I can't remember. Uh, or last week. Um, usually you get in trouble or when you don't have enough to do, or like if you want to meet the devil, have empty space on your calendar, <laughs> idle hands or something like that. Yeah. Something crazy like that. Meaning yeah, yeah. got to stay busy to stay out of trouble. That's all I got to say. That's all yeah. I got to say. I'm, I'm good with it. Um, what are your top couple things you got to do right now? Yeah. Oh, you know, uh, family. Well, I got some spiritual stuff. I start with that. Uh, some family stuff. Uh, we got this baby coming, so we got to do little things here and there. Right. Um, work stuff. Um, and then just, you know, opening a restaurant. Nothing biggie. Nothing big. You know? Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing with all of that out of your control? <laughs> I'm I'm living. I'm living. You know, I've been listening to a, a health podcast. And they've been giving like stress tips, like how to deal with stress mm. or better handle stress. So I've been like, like stuff that I knew I should be doing, but it was just a good reminder to like, hey, Coop, you got to get back on this. Um, Yeah. Yeah, man. What about you? I know you got a pretty healthy list too. Um, I guess the rundown of my main things is... Uh, have a new rental property. I gotta get ready. I'm turning over a tenant on a different property. Um, I'm still trying to get my house in order. My new house that I moved into. Gotta take care of some things before baby comes as well. Um, yeah, finish. You know, finish the year strong and for my nine to five, and then keep my clients and partners happy. Um, that's weird. I, I feel uneasy today, which is weird. Like, I don't know why. It's just, it is what it is. Um, there's no, everything's good. So it's just kind of, I'm going back to my list and kind of getting organized and planning. Um, This might be for another day, but you got your two, you got your 2022 goals set already? No. All right, I will so. probably sit down, my guess is in December, and kind of hammer some of those out. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. All right, well, should we get into this episode? Let's do it. Let's do it. 
All right, Cooper, why don't you bring in our next guest? Great morning, everybody. On today's episode, we have a lifelong entrepreneur with over 40 years of experience in the hotel and real estate industries. Born and raised in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Norman entered the hospitality industry at the age of 13 when he began working as a dishwasher at his family's modest roadside inn. Ladies and gentlemen, Norman Leslie. Hey, good morning. How's it going, Caleb and Cooper? It's going great. It's going, it's going really good. Especially going now great. when I learned you were a Packer fan, like I knew this was going to be. How, how bad could it be? How bad could it be, really? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Norman, the first question we always ask everyone, and we appreciate your time, uh, is just tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and then maybe dig into some of your why. Uh, you bet. My name is Norm Leslie. I'm president and founder of National Hospitality Services based out of Fargo, North Dakota. We started with a management contract of, a, of the Delta Marriott here in Fargo about 20, 15 years ago. We've grown uh, our company to now manage hotels in uh, almost every time zone in the United States, every time zone in the continental United States. And um, we've got um, 40 hotels with 1,200 amazing associates that work for our organization. Uh, in addition to that, I was uh, had the opportunity to start uh, a uh, three real estate investment trusts and uh, slash uh, private equity funds that acquire hotels. And uh, along the way, uh, from dishwasher to today, I have the good fortune of working on companies like Lexstar Construction and Development and Heritage Homes and Lexmark Development Company. And lots of really great opportunities that with, to work with some really good people and, uh, and leave a mark on, on our communities. Awesome. That, that is awesome. Um, so, so like where, so where did the, that's massive. Um, sounds very big. Yeah, that's, that's big. So like where, where did that vision, that goal come from Norman? Did like, did you always want to like grow, like be as big as you are right now? Yeah. You know, it could, it was it was kind of cool. I mean, I started. I was listening to the podcast. Gave a great podcast with my amazing brother Tyrone from a year ago, and I was listening to it. And uh, so many similar uh, storylines. Some a few different ones. Uh, you know, I grew up. Um, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. I started my own business when I was uh, sixteen. I was selling jackets, leather jackets, and ski wear to anybody who would who would buy it. It got me through college. It uh, paid for my car. And ultimately, I ended up buying a Greek restaurant up in Winnipeg. Uh, and, you know, he just, I, I started a travel channel up in Canada, uh, playing to, uh, to uh, hotels uh, guests from, uh, from one end of the country to the other, playing in two different languages. Uh, so it's, I, I think it's kind of in our blood. You know, we, we love the adventure. We love the the opportunity to 
to, to, to seek new opportunities and, and tear down walls where walls existed, do the, you know, do what people just generally think are not possible. Well, that keeps us up, you know, that keeps us engaged. So I think we had the right DNA to begin with and, and we had the right environment to really foster that, that, that desire to, to be entrepreneurial and self-reliant. So all these different ventures that we're that, that we've been able to spearhead, um, I think the roots were from that upbringing and from I think partially to that DNA. How did your motivations change early on versus now? I'm sure early on it was a lot of you know freedom or even some financial stuff, and maybe those are the same now. But when you look at you know your 18 year old self versus now, you know what's different about your motivations? Well, I, you know, I think, Caleb, the, the situation is that um, you, when you're 18 or 19 or even 25, I, you feel like you are uh, bulletproof and you can do anything and nothing's mm-hmm. going to stop you, right? Mm-hmm. And if somebody thinks they can stop you, they're just wrong, right? And you crazy, take, yeah. Yeah, you know, nothing's going to stop you. So uh, I, you still, as an entrepreneur, you still have to have this little bit of that, eh? You, you've got to be able to... Uh, take on any challenge. But I think today versus when I was 18 or 20, um, I'm going to take more calculated risks. I'm going to work the math a little more aggressively to make sure that we're not, or, or a lot more aggressively to make sure we're not jumping into something that is just so completely uh, resistant to acceptance or that the economics are not there for a very large uh, potential payoff that it, your time is not best suited somewhere else. When I was 18, I'd go after anything, like any, anything that popped in my head, I was going to go after it. And before I knew it, I was actually doing it. And so sometimes that led me down to good opportunities that made money. And sometimes it didn't. And with age, you just gotta, you gotta work smarter, not necessarily just all the time, a hundred percent in, in speed mode. You gotta, you gotta balance it. So that's, so that's awesome, Norman. So I, I do want to ask about that. So like, and I don't, we usually ask this question like towards the end of our podcast, but um, your younger self, right? You, you said like you're at a point right now in your, in your career where you're taking more calculated risk. Um, do you feel though, like when you were that age, that younger age, like 16, 18, and just jumping into anything, I mean, wouldn't you say that you need to be like that when you're younger to like find out, you know, what's out there? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Coop. I, I, I think you, if you are really resistant to risk at a younger age, uh, you, you're just not going to get exposed to the opportunities you need to, to be able to find your niche, to find that opportunity that really takes hold. And, and so, yeah, I know I don't, I don't propose to, you know, my, my, uh, my boys are entrepreneurial. My youngest is, is, uh, you know, selling, um, uh, uh, auto deep cleaning services and he's, uh, he's 19 and I'm like, just, you know, and this is a, you know, similar to what my brother was talking about. You, you got to make those mistakes. He, now he's doing well. I, can, I wish I could hire him and work at the Delta Marriott, but he just, he's making too much working for himself. Right. But you got to make those mistakes. You, 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 you got to go after these uh, things that might be highly risky, 
Because how do you really know and how do you gauge those opportunities until you've really gone through it? You're not going to read about it. And even if you did read about it, you still think you can overcome it when you're at that age. And maybe you can't. So don't cut yourself off. Go for those opportunities. And you're going to learn so much more than you would uh, that if you if you just try to be a, you know, a risk manager and do everything in its most safe uh, Harvard way. Love it. Norman, Love it. Norman, selling jackets in Winnipeg makes a ton of sense, right? Great <laughs> idea. Maybe maybe you ran into problems, you know, scaling it, but it is cold up there, up there, right? So I get that. Do you have a story or two that you'd share about? You know, because it sounds like you were saying yes to everything. What's one that you know you're happy for the experience, but maybe you shouldn't have said yes to? Uh, oh, oh, well, I, I'm a kind of a believer in the butterfly effect. So if I had done anything differently, I think everything would be different. We wouldn't be talking. Agreed. Agreed. You're right. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, my ski jacket thing, I, uh, I, I started selling it to my buddies and then, uh, in Winnipeg, uh, the legal, uh, drinking age is 18. So when I was 18, I was in my first year, uh, commerce, the university of Manitoba. And I started building up and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go to people who can sell these jackets for me. So it's not just me selling. Mm. So I went to a series of bartenders all over town at these different nightclubs. And I said, oh, I'll give you 50 bucks for every jacket you sell. And I'll do it on consignment. I'll give you a few jackets you can test. I was selling so many jackets. It was ridiculous. And I was able to price my jackets for about 30 or 40% less than the retail places were selling it. So I covered all my tuition. I was living pretty large and, uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't taking an enormous amount of time. So I still could, you know, I was going to school. Um, but I, I got, um, my supplier shut me down because his, his retail outlets were upset that I was undercutting them. So I got big enough where I started having the retailers shut me down. And, uh, I thought, I thought it was the end of the world when that happened because that was like that was paying for life at the time. But uh, it turned out to be a good experience. I mean, it just gives you kind of that vantage point of how you need to be more, you know, close to the vest. And I took that with with me. I mean, I, you know, I do a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, they have no no. I, I prefer the submarine approach. Mm-hmm. You know, just do your business. You can. You can uh, you can attack at will, but you can also go stealth. And I I, I think I took that that lesson uh, from that from that jacket experience. So uh, you know, just you, I don't, the world doesn't even know who I am. I'm just gonna do what I need to do, and have a great group of people around me, and and do the best you know best we can. And you know, I think I think that just changed that changed my you know my. Um, you know, my demeanor to a certain extent, certainly how I, how I profile myself. It's an outstanding lesson learned. I'm sure. Oh, Um, very cool. Thank you for sharing. I like, man, that's, that's a great, that's a great story. And like some problems are like, are great. Like I, I would love uh, sometime in her life for Bray to come to me and be like, dad, I got shut down by Coles because they didn't, uh, (laughs) Yeah, they they didn't like how I was undercutting them in sales. <laughs> um, which 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 leads me to my next question. Um, 
Okay, Norman. So you started a a business at 16. It paid for college. My question for you is, you must have saw something, you know, either from your parents' business or when you were working in their business to want to do that right away. Like, what what was that? And then my second question is, you, you said your son also has a business as well. So, like, what like what's the conversation with your son now? You know, is it, is it like some things that you learned or, or what? I'm just, I'm just curious about that. Well, you know, part of it is just as a parent is just to eliminate the barriers and, 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 you know, if, if there's that initial fear of doing something that's entrepreneurial, help them get it out of their own way. Right. And let them know just what's the worst thing going to happen. You're going to learn so much as a result of your efforts. So my message to my boy, Mateo was just, just jump in, get a few clients. You'll, you'll, you'll get the word out, use some social media, create some marketing material, kind of create some pricing points and some packages and you, you see where it goes. It's not going to be right when you first start it. And, and so don't worry about it first Second, don't wait for it to be perfect to start it. Get in there. The sooner you can, you can uh, transact, the, the faster you're going to evolve and transform your business and transform how you're delivering the product. And uh, I think that's what I did with Mateo. I would do the same thing with my son, Robert. And, you know, and I, I think that that's really important as a parent is to eliminate that obstacle because people... I don't know. You're both very entrepreneurial. So you, you, you think the world is entrepreneurial, but really probably 90% of the population is not entrepreneurial at all. Mm-hmm. They probably think that we're crazy, right? And, 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 and of that 10% that are entrepreneurial, half of them are just not prepared for that risk or have been dissuaded from the risk associated with it. So, um, so I think it's our job to make sure that we, 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 we support, uh, support children, uh, support other adults, support young adults, older adults that didn't, that were not given that opportunity to, to really show what they can do on their own. And I love doing that. And I think that it's a, it's a personal responsibility because it's, we're helping people break from these shackles of what, what society says that they're supposed to be doing, which is getting a, a eight to five job and, and, and getting a salary and, you know, working Monday to Friday. And, and that, that's awesome. That's amazing. I love people who do that. I can't comprehend it. And so if, if they want to, if my boys or if, if people I know want to explore that, uh, I want to give them every opportunity to succeed. Okay. And that's that. Okay. Sorry, Caleb. I'm like kind of detouring, but. This is tangent I, mode. I, 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 <laughs> I, I love that. So like, because Caleb is soon to be parent, you know, I'm a parent going on my set, my third kid. Yeah. Like, are you, thank you. Are you, so, so like, are you encouraging your kids to go more entrepreneurial or is it a conversation that they're naturally bringing up to dad? No, you know, it, they were naturally bringing it up to me. Okay. I, I swear to God. I mean, because I don't want them to come into the family business that they don't want to. I don't want them to become accountants 
or um, finance people or, you know, doctors or lawyers. I want them, I want them to do what they want to do. And if it, if it happens to be a lawyer or a doctor, great. If it happens that they want to be an accountant or sell automobiles, great. If that's your passion and that's what you love to do, man, I'm going to be your number one fan. I'll be your number one supporter. Uh, so no, I didn't, I didn't promote to them, to, uh, to, to, you know, Hey, be an entrepreneur, be your own boss. Uh, cause I, then I'd be doing everything. I, I, I don't believe you should do. You should let them, um, make up their decisions, let them try things. I want them to try things. So because you, you know, as a child, you don't really don't know until you've actually tried it. So it's our, our responsibilities as parents to make sure that they give different, different opportunities to try. Now, I, like I assume, just me thinking, you know, and I, and I follow I follow you and and your brother on social media, so I, I see I see I see the I see some stuff. I see some stuff. <laughs> um, I, so your kids, right? So like they they obviously see the the life the the parents have made, right? Like, yeah, you know, and I'm and I'm sure they're they're enjoying that. And so, like, my question is, obviously, as parents, you know, if, if whether we want them to do one route or the other, it's our job to show them, like, hey, this is what I've done. You can see what we've created here. You know, this this is, in, in a sense, you're showing them, like, if you want to live this type of life, this, you know, this is the rewards. This is what you get. Right. And I, and I feel like it's it, like when you go on your trips and stuff with your boys, you know, like you, I, I saw you do like a, a hmm. man, a man weekend or a man, something with your boy. Yeah. Man yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is cool. Like, I feel like you providing those experiences, you know, with them, does, is that when conversation comes up, like hmm. with life and you know what they want to do? Uh, okay, well, well, you, you, that's a deep question. Sorry. <laughs> no, that, that's good. I got get me, you stopped me cold on that one. Yeah. So a, a couple of thoughts on that. First of all, um, you know, we had very humble, uh, upbringings and I, I made sure my boys were brought up in a humble way with no entitlement. I'll tell you, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, they both have credit cards in case they get into trouble or nothing crazy, you know, a couple 500 bucks. But they'll, if they're going to, if they're going to take a date out for, a, uh, and for dinner, they're going to check to make sure if it's okay to put 25 bucks on the credit card because otherwise they work and they pay for their own stuff. And then they only do that if they really, really need to <laughs> between paychecks and, and it's, and it's rough for them. So, uh, I believe in that kind of upbringing, you know, because uh, to me, entitlement, and victim and, and, and uh, natures are, are, are just such massive handicaps to success and being a good human being, you know, you, you really can't have that sense of entitlement. So uh, we, I, I would never, uh, their mom would never flaunt anything or act, you know, or make them feel like, Oh, look at, you know, you can do anything you want to spend whatever money you you want as a result of this lifestyle. It, it, I, what I think happened is that they just saw the joy that I would derive from being able to work on things. And maybe that lit them up 
or maybe they just had it all away all along and it just fired them up further. I don't know what it, don't know what it was. Uh, but, but they, it was really, um, something that emanated from them versus something that was injected into them or where they saw, oh, the lifestyle, the rich and famous, and they just got so many opulent things. No, it wasn't like that at all. Thank goodness. Uh, I just don't, uh, I don't subscribe to that, but the mancations now that's, you know, just uh, early, you know, eight, eight, nine years ago, I wanted to be able to spend some time with my boys one-on-one and a friend of mine, Jeff Ackroth, uh, who started and uh, his family started Ackroth Music, uh, tr- tr- tremendous guy, tremendous family. And he told me about what he was doing with his boys. And that's, that's why I started the Mancations. And I got to recommend that to you guys. I mean, it's probably the best thing I ever did as a dad is be able to take each of my boys out one-on-one for two, three days, sometimes four or five days. And just get to know your boys on a totally different level and be able to have conversations one-on-one because the dynamic changes when the whole family's together or when your boys are together, Right. dynamic changes. And those are great opportunities too. But when you can actually listen and engage one-on-one with your son or daughter, oh my goodness. I mean, the, it, it is, it is so therapeutic for yourself and for your, for your kid. And you get to know them on a totally different level. It was for sure the best thing I ever did. I've, I've told all my buddies to to try and do it if they can, and, and I get nothing but good feedback about it. No, yeah, I, 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 go ahead, Coop. I was gonna say I, I love that. I, I love that. I, I love. I'm I'm loving the the advice. Uh, my la, my last parenting question. <laughs> yes, <Coop. sir. laughs> hey. uh, my, my my last parenting question. You just said something, and I, I want to just pick your brain on it. Um, so your 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 boys have credit cards. Now, you're the first guest that's come on here and said that, and I'm I'm just I want to know your your mindset or the reasoning, you know, why you allow them to have credit cards when the whole world is like, oh, you should be afraid of credit cards. Don't ever use them, um, and <laughs> and you're letting them, you know, obviously be responsible with it. But like, so so what was the like? Why 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 did you do that? Well, okay, so uh, great. That's also a great question. So, uh, look, first of all, it, as a dad, I want to make sure, and I'm not with them all the time. I want to make sure that they, if they need something, they're not stuck. And so, the, it's it, the credit limits enough to get them gas or get them something that uh, you know, dinner or something if they really need something for groceries. So, this is not this is not a uh, they're not going to Cartier to, to you know, shopping. It's not <laughs> it's, an Amex. It's really an emergency. It's an emergency backup for what they need. They, Cause they have their own bank accounts. They, they earn money uh, they deposit money into those accounts and they're self-sufficient, but this is just, just in case. And it's something I could do as a dad to make sure that, um, you know, if they ever needed something and I wasn't around that, that they were covered. And, and also I'm in real estate, Re- real estate, we're all in real estate, right? We, uh, debt is a very important part of structuring real estate transactions, which you don't, if you don't manage it, right, it's going to, it'll, it'll turn upside down and it'll, it'll kill a deal. So at this age, getting them adjusted and understanding what, what a debt instrument, i.e. a credit card does is not bad, you know, and they, they really can't do any damage with it. But at the same time, I think it helps them, you know, 
you know, uh, manage the fire, manage that, that resource in a responsible way. Nope. And, and, and you just hit it, hit it on the head, Norman. I was, I was wanted to see if that's what it was, but like, I, obviously it's financial education at the end of the day, right. Exactly. You know, like something that, you know, I know Caleb and myself, we agreed, like our schooling system doesn't do a good, a good enough job on like training our kids to like, Hey, like it's a money world when you get out of high school or even during high school, like you have to, <laughs> under, right. you have to understand how money works. Right. And, uh, so no, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. No, right, Caleb, you're right on. Caleb, I'm done. I'm sorry. Coop, Coop likes to get on these tangents. Sometimes. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 Luckily, I'm a nice guy. You know, let you let you do. It. Chill, chill, chill. I I agree with everything you said. Um, I uh, I got to go on a trip with my dad, um, in my formative years, where we would always go and check out. Um, we would road trip somewhere and check out some historical site. Um, you know, across the country. And you're you're absolutely right. There's super smart way to allocate uh, your resources and your time. Um. And kudos to you for so far raising, you know, two good boys from the sounds of it. Thanks. Thanks, Caleb. They're, they're amazing young men. Uh, it, it just And they're close and they're different and they both have unique skills uh, and they're grounded. Uh, you can't hope for better things than that, eh? Right. Right. Happy, healthy. Those are all good things. Um, Thank God. That's right. I bet you we only have time to kind of get into one more question in relation to your story. Um, we got time. We got time, Caleb. So Chill, I'm, bro. I'm curious. Chill. I want to go <laughs> back. You know, you dealt with that initial hardship. Can you talk a little bit more about the adversity of losing your jacket business and then what you did next? Um, obviously, you're, you, you know, thousand feet higher now doing other, you know, bigger, great things. But what was kind of your next step? Well, you, you know, in, in the jacket business, it was kind of, uh, I, it didn't even have a name. Uh, I was so young. I, I was just, I was getting jackets from, in, in Winnipeg from a manufacturer and I was selling them like crazy and it was all cash, no credit cards. And I didn't know what I was doing half the time, uh, except covering my bills and having some fun. So uh, it didn't have that direct, that personal impact that you'd have if you really, you know, lost a business or a business mm. failed. Uh, and the business failure or, or project failure is, I'm like, boy, I learned a long, long time ago that you learn way more from a fail or a problem than you do from success. And as long as you really put it under the microscope and look at it and don't cower away from it, you, you just got to figure out what on earth happened and, and, and so that it never happens again. So, you know, uh, sh- shortly after the jacket, and I was still going to school, um, you know, Caleb. So I, I would, I think, I think what I did is I, 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 I bought this Greek restaurant in Winnipeg. Uh, it, that was a hilarious adventure and slash disaster. <laughs> and uh, it, it was like I, things I could have never have imagined happened in that place and it was it was horrific but and hilarious but it, it makes you who you are i and then I, I started this this television channel and that was no joke i mean at the end of the day i had worked out a deal with paramount studios to to take their one of their paid channels off their hotel room uh, you know those the hotel pay boxes mm-hmm. uh when you back in the day you, you guys are too young for this but back in the day when you had 
if you wanted to pay movie, you only had six selections. It was a box on top of your TV. And it's like, sounds prehistoric, but five inch, I, I, would, I was working in a hotel, right? I was cleaning rooms and I was, I was, uh, I, I was, I grew up in the, in the business. So I, they always had a, a sixth box that wasn't used. I thought, I want that box. I want to do a, a, a show for travelers on everything there, there is to do in town. So I went, I worked at this exclusive contract with Paramount. They gave me, I don't know, they gave me, I was a kid and they gave me an exclusive contract for the country to take that <laughs> sixth channel. And I ran that channel, I ran that thing right across the country. And it was, it was crazy. But I mean, that was an incredible opportunity. And, uh, and then I was on to the next thing. My, my, uh, my family took it over and they, they did just an amazing job of, of, um, of managing that business. And, but it was like, have you ever heard of it? Entertainment tonight. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was like entertainment tonight. It had really good production values and, uh, but it was for travelers. And so we were selling 30, 60 second ads and a 30 minute uh, or 60 minute show that kept on playing over and over again. And, uh, you just have to press that channel. We were playing to tens of millions of people a day. Uh, when, when that, uh, company was sold. Awesome. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. Awesome. What, um, so, okay. So in, in 91 now, um, you guys moved to Fargo, um, and you built and opened a Ramada Plaza Suites in 93. Can you, can you just like, just, you know, just talk us through that, that whole experience from moving to opening a Ramada. Well, okay. So in 1991, we were approached by this incredible family, the family that developed the uh, West Acre Shopping uh, Center, the Schlossman family. My dad was. My, we had this, I mean, very modest roadside inn up in Winnipeg. It was, it was just fortuitous that somehow this, uh, Jeff Schlossman decided to reach out to my dad and say, hey, would you like to build a hotel in Fargo? I mean, he, he just... It, you wouldn't, uh, it's hard to comprehend, but my dad and I, I, I had just got out of commerce, uh, graduated from university of Manitoba and it was, we were all in, we just decided to commit everything we had to this. And it took us from 91 to 94 to raise all the equity and debt for the Ramada, uh, Plaza in Fargo. It was, and it, it I racked up my credit cards. It was, it was tight. And I got, I'll tell you, you know, dad and I, we tear up when we talk about it because it's, we, we'd be out here every week, every day grinding away. And there were times guys when we would, we would go over to Olive Garden and, you know, budget was money was tight. We'd go in to get soup and salad. And we we felt guilty to be taking a table from Olive Garden at at seven o'clock, so we'd wait till eight or nine, right before they closed, so we could go there and get our soup and salad. So people think it's easy; it is not easy. Your life is on the line constantly, and until you finally, at some point, reach that 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 inflection point where you where you're you're you're, you're you've got that stability. But people think it was easy; it was not easy, and. And that only got us to the point where we could start construction. And then it took another 15 months to build that thing. And then it was like three years of terror when you were trying to, and you open a new business. So, right. 
you know, it, it, uh, and you don't value those moments at the time. You, 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 but at the time you're like, why am I doing this? It's exhausting. I'm, you know, risking my entire life. But when you get to the promised land, you look back at those moments and you, with just so much satisfaction and it, it, it creates the story. It creates the person who you are because you, you have to fight so hard and you put everything on the line to make those things happen. So people think it was easy. It was the last thing from easy, but uh, it, it was well worth it. And that, that from once we opened the, the Ramada Plaza, then we started, um, you know, developing real estate, started the housing companies, started uh, the construction company and, 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 uh, and it, it just really took off from there, but it was still always a challenge. Yeah, it turned out good. Man, um, we should we should just be done with the podcast like forever <laughs> after that. I gotta uh, let me sneak in one point. Okay. We we just read, I think last year, Coop, you and I read um, "Relentless" by Tim oh, yeah. Grover. Yep, yep. And he talks about how there's three types of people, right? Uh, coolers, cleaners, cleaners closers. Closers and and cleaners are people that just really appreciate the process and the daily grind. Yeah, it's, it sounds like that's you know when you guys did your biggest project at the time. I mean, it sounds like it was really you were you were in the trenches, um, and I'm sure it taught you so much for all you know all your all your future deals that you know I think you mentioned earlier. Um, you know, you said you never take any of those experiences back because, you know, it led you to where you are today. Um, where'd you get your, um, your humble, appreciative spirit from, do you think, Norman? I, we, we get the entrepreneurial side, but how do you stay, um, stay thankful? Um, you know, when you, when you get beat up at a young enough age, uh, and we, you know, I think we were all, I think we were always humble. You know, my, my brother talked about my mom. My mom is an incredibly gracious, uh, individual, so down to earth. I mean, she just, uh, I, I think that that's where it started. Mm-hmm. I, and you know, when you're, you're an entrepreneurial and you start and you're in college and you're making some money, it's not, it's, uh, I, I remember being able to get into the back, you know, backdoor passes to all the clubs. And I, uh, and I think I wanted everybody to see me walking through that line. Right. Like, I can't even imagine doing that today. Even yeah. if I work in a place where we own a, you know, if we have an establishment, I don't want to walk past my guests. I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, what happened to me? So <laughs> I, I went through this probably two, three years of just being a, you know, a, a, a turd, but not, not over the top or anything, but compared to today. But I think having that grounding in my mom, uh, I think definitely helped. Oh, that was everything. And, uh, but, and also getting, getting beat up and understanding and taking ownership of those things and not blaming the world, but, but, but holding yourself responsible. That's what makes you really humble and, and then appreciating all the people around you because uh, you can't accomplish it. You couldn't accomplish it, accomplish one, one thousandth of what you accomplish if it wasn't for the people around you, your family and your associates, uh, your, your leadership team, right, right to your, uh, to your line level staff. I mean, they, they're the ones making it happen. They're the heroes. You don't have any business being, uh, uh, global, uh, or, you know, hubris, you know, they just, uh, it just have nothing, zero, 
zero um, um, uh, gloating from this guy. I'm just thankful. That's that's awesome. Um, so Norman, so um, so two two questions. I'll start with the first one. Uh, a, a business business cash flow uh, question. Just you know your story. So you know ninety one to ninety three. You guys you know built the Ramada Plaza. Um, ninety six. You started or you co founded Heritage Homes with um, your brothers. Um, and then in 2000, um, you started the national hospitality service. That's right. Um, I was, we were, Caleb and I were just talking about this, um, in the pre, the pre episode, uh, one of the main reasons is businesses fail, um, is, is one of the main reasons is mismanagement of cash flow. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just your story here, like it, it seemed like you guys had almost like an agenda or or like you guys knew what to do with the cash flow. It seemed like you guys were always just reinvesting it back into the business or back into something. Um, can you touch a little bit on that? Like, I don't know if I hit it on the head or what, but just I just want to talk about that. A little right. bit. Okay, so you're right, Coop. You're, you're right. I mean, what happens is that uh, uh, entrepreneurials, uh, uh, entrepreneurial people will generally underestimate the amount of capital or cash required to get their business off the ground. And that is a very, very common problem. And, you know, it's something that I was able to bring, you know, through our, our planning process. It's like, I don't want to be on my heels. If we're opening a hotel, we need to have money in the bank. We need to have uh, ammunition to go out there and build our business. And if we're too busy trying to cover the cost of the milk and the eggs in the kitchen, we're never going to be able to go out there and lay claim to new markets. So we try to, and we're not always successful in doing it, but we always try to set aside dollars directly to marketing, directly to pre-opening operations and and just general liquidity. And it's easier said than done. I get it because when you're trying to raise money, any type of money is incredibly difficult, but give yourself some room to, to invest into expanding your market, expanding your, your business. You, you want to have tools at your disposal to, to grow your business. And if you don't, you, that doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means that you, uh, it, it's going to be more, a little more difficult to manage the, the uh, the uh, the growth pattern of your business it always takes more money than people think it's going to take so if you think it's going to take you ten thousand dollars to start your business uh, plan on it being fifty thousand dollars and if you're and, and if and if it only took you forty God bless America but you there's <laughs> there's sources there's investors there's lenders there's programs that help you get there just don't try to keep yourself on the aggressive and 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 and, um, and capitalize yourself properly as best you can. And believe me, we started with nothing, so it wasn't like people were dropping millions of dollars. Do whatever you want. <laughs> Every dollar was precious. So, but that would be something I would recommend. Man, um, yeah, we def we definitely gotta sit down, Norman, um, for sure. As as Caleb and I grow our stuff. 
Okay, so that was the first part of my question. Now the second part is what so what what is next for you? I mean, you know, you guys, you know, operating close to 40 hotels across the country and you were recognized um as a top 200 management company in the US by size. Like what what is next? You're you know, Tyrone just did the you know, the ranch like I'm not trying to make it a sibling rivalry or anything, but like, <laughs> <laughs> what's next? Uh, well, so I, we want to get to 100 hotels. Uh, the real our real estate investment trust uh, lodging fund three is uh, is uh, public reporting. It's not publicly traded. And my my partner Corey and I we started we started the first fund back in 2010. After the, uh, uh, the after the financing uh, meltdown back in uh, of 08, we went, we put money together. We bought a bunch of hotels. We're under our third fund, uh, and so you know we we, we think we, we want to grow more hotels into that real estate investment trust. Uh, I want to have national hospitality services at a hundred hotels, um, and you know when you get to a certain point, you you think well you want to be risk. Uh, conscious, right? I want to see 10x. I want to see. I want to see a 10x multiplier on everything we do. And and if it can't do it, I want to see why. What can we recreate? What can we change to revolutionize a certain business so that we can get a 10 times return on investment? And so so it it, it keeps things really pretty exciting. Uh, I think we're uh, we're acquiring a hotel. And maybe one every forty-five days right now. You know, we 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 came through COVID just was very very difficult on hotels, but we recreated what we did in a way that I think will make us it has made us ten times stronger than we were before. And then we've come up with proprietary products that makes our real estate investment trust very very uh, compelling as an opportunity. So. You know, we've taken these uh, adversarial situations. We've made ourselves stronger, and we got a we we've got a lot of opportunities we're we're working on right now that I, I think it's gonna it's gonna change the entire uh, uh, face of our company here over the next thirty six months. Man, I, like Norman, I could go on uh, forever on questions. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I think I th- I, th- I think we man, this was great, Caleb. Do you got anything, man? Uh, you just it's it sounds like it's I I look at it like momentum. You know what I mean? Every deal just kind of leads to the next deal, which leads to the next deal. You know, and the snowball that you you've created now, you're just you're kind of steering it versus pushing it, right? So I think it's just cool to hear about, and it's cool to hear how your your mindset has shifted. I think we talked about that right away early on, um, but how now it's really trying to make the big chest moves versus the oh that Greek restaurant's for sale, I'm going to buy it, right? <laughs> no, you said it. It's, it's the moment. It's the big mo. Caleb, you cannot fight. You don't want to fight it. You want to no. use it. You want to use it, and when it starts to happen, man, it's magic. And when it's not there, it's exhausting, right? And you just got to find that you got to you got to keep your head down, keep working it, and then you find that vein, and all of a sudden things start to roll, and then it becomes 
a little more easy, a little more straightforward. And then you got more people starting to buy into it. And then it starts to work a little bit more smoothly. And then all of a sudden you got adoption. And I mean, we're doing this on a national scale based out of Fargo, North Dakota. So proud of this community. Uh, so proud to be part of this industry. Uh, but momentum, absolutely. You just got to harvest it and don't do victory laps. You know, just enjoy it. Keep your head down and keep working it. As soon as you start doing the victory laps, momentum starts to seems to fly away. So right. keep working it, you know, and enjoy it. Very cool. Man, that's... Norman, if people want to, uh, like, get in contact with you or you know, see what you're doing on social media, what, what, where's the best place they can reach out? Uh, you know, we, we've got pretty decent exposure on, nas- on, uh, on our national hospitality services, uh, uh, line, uh, or, uh, uh social media feeds. Nice. Uh, uh, I'm on LinkedIn and, you know, listen, I, I'm a big believer in entrepreneurs and, and supporting, uh, our entrepreneurs. And I really, I, I do so on a very regular basis, guys. So uh, I believe in it. I think we all have to do that. So if you know somebody's got something or some advice or looking to uh, you know looking to uh, get get a little more energy or get something, just some insights or maybe some encouragement, uh, you know, reach out to me on my email. Would be the best way to do it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, Norman, thank you very much for your time. Uh, this was this was awesome. This was awesome, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah thank you very it. much. I appreciate you both. You, you got a great thing going on, and I really appreciate you committing the time to doing some doing this. Because it, I've I've I've, uh, I've been listening to your podcast, and you guys are awesome, man. And people need to hear it because it gives them that encouragement. They're not alone. You 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 really bring out these success stories, and you bring out the challenges and how people overcome it. And it's so important. People are desperately needing this type of stories. So keep it up and let me know if I can ever help you out. Thanks, Norman. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. Yep. All the best. Another great episode. Episode 89. It's a great, 89 is a great number, by the way. Yeah, I don't know really know any like eight number eighty nines, do you? Nineteen eighty nine was a really good year. You said nineteen eighty nine? Oh, was that when you were born or something? I'm just saying it was a really good year. That's all I'm saying. This was a really good episode, Coop. What were what were your favorite parts? Um, all of it. Uh no, seriously, um I think it's incredible um with the dad stuff that he's doing. Um the the mancation with the boys, you know, just getting to know your kids on a one-on-one basis, you know, like I, I feel like that's such a, I don't want to say it's a lost art, but you know, life gets so busy. Right. And right. You, you know, it's, we have to be so intentional as parents or even, even if you don't have kids, like being intentional about that one-on-one with, with your mate, your kids, um, because they need that. Uh, so that was just a, a great reminder, you know, someone, especially who as busy as he is, uh, to be able to take, you know, two, three days, um, to spend with his, his boys is, uh, and like one-on-one, right. Uh, it's pretty awesome. And again, 
like the fact that he's got his kids, you know, gives him access to a credit card. You know, I heard they have bank accounts, check, you know, they have checkbooks and all this other stuff. Um, That's, I just can't express how important that is to be able to teach your kids of about finances at an early age because like I said in the episode I feel personally like our education system doesn't do a good enough job of teaching high schoolers especially like hey this is how you manage money this is how you manage a credit card this is how you manage debt right those are things and I'm not I'm not knocking the school system I I think that's the responsibility of us parents to show our kids that at the end of the day instead of always blaming the school system like um and so just hearing him how, how he's got his kids understanding debt you know not having them be afraid of debt right you know like if you understand how to use debt it's the it's the greatest thing in the world right um so I'm thought, in a lot of debt right now, Coop. Oh, so I, oh, I agree. <laughs> it's all, it's all, it's all good. You, you, you gotta, you gotta, and that's why I hang out with people like like Caleb because he always makes me realize how small my issues are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, this this was a great. This was a, just an all around great episode. I think this was, I think this is probably one of the first times I've got on here on the after show and like talked about family and kids and like that was my main takeaway uh um but to add to that real quick caleb i know i'm going real quick yeah real quick chill okay Uh, um when he talks about risk like taking a risk at an early age right and and uh just understanding you know what's what's your potential what do you what do you like what you don't like being able to take risk early in life and understand that quickly will help you in the long run and uh yeah i it was great man it was great it was great all right i'm done sorry what are you sorry for i'm just you know i know, I know how you get it's all good sorry oh, okay <laughs> what are your takeaways bro oh, you want to know mine yes you i want you want to listen now yes i'm gonna listen i'm sorry okay. dude Okay, no, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, great episode. Great guy. The most interesting part to me that you didn't already touch on um, was how his mindset shifted from, uh, you know, little things to, to massive things. There's so many entrepreneurs that I follow that kind of always just did the same thing for a long amount a period of time and they were great at it. Right. So like, let's think of like the guy that owns two gas stations and then he ends up picking up three, four five, you know, and, and that's it. Right. Versus sounds like what he's doing is, you know, I mean, he's doing REITs, which most people on the podcast don't know what a REIT is probably. Right. But just massive, just massive, big thinker, big ideas, so that's the part I thought was cool that, you know, maybe someday we get to dig into more details with him is, you know, how success is one thing and then 
10xing it and then 10xing it again. And it's just motivating to get to connect with people like that. Well, <clears throat> that's that's off off air conversation. What is? <laughs> are you done, bro? What's what's off air? What are you talking right, about? Are you done, bro? That that was my takeaway. Well, okay. Well, sound, the next question sounds was, good. What do you mean? Uh, Norman Leslie, everybody, uh, will put his contact info in the show notes. Uh, please rate, subscribe, leave a review. Um. Yeah. Anything else, Caleb? You're just gonna leave everybody hanging. I'm so confused right now. Are you done, Caleb? No. <laughs> I'm very confused. What are you talking about? I need to end the podcast. Can I? Can I hit the stop button? Uh, I, I guess to be continued. To be continued. See you to next be, week, everybody. To be continued. <laughs> <laughs>